Hi, and welcome to the Romance Me Podcast. This is Erica. And I'm Em, and we'd like to say a special hello to our number one and only fan. Well, the hello is in the form of a question. Why are treehouse movies either kid-friendly or adult-unfriendly? What? Isn't that the same thing? Well, no, I guess it's not the same thing. No. No, it's not. What is what is adult-unfriendly? Like, I'm confused. Like, in the horror genre. Oh, okay. All right. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, kid-friendly and adult-unfriendly aren't necessarily mutually exclusive. This is true. Yes. I mean, there are plenty of kid-friendly things that I find adult-unfriendly. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you are. No. <laughs> Ooh, okay. <laughs> oh, all right. Today we'll be discussing Firelight by Kristen Callahan. Miranda Ellis is a woman with a powerful secret, but no social power. Lord Benjamin Archer is a man with all sorts of power, and yet he is doomed. Doomed. (laughs) My voice cracked. Doomed. To cover himself so he doesn't shock society. For this couple, marriage and murder intertwine, but only when they learn to trust and communicate will they see the truth. There will be spoilers beyond this point. And we have a content warning for threats of rape. Yes, it's very thrapey. Thrapey. <laughs> and I didn't say yay, and it was really hard <laughs> not to. Good job. Very proud of you. <laughs> like, it's it's a compulsion at this point. <laughs> it's bad. Well, I'm glad you broke the, the compulsion. <laughs> I still had to talk about it, though. <laughs> well. Baby you steps. Got, you gotta let it out. <laughs> I was gonna say speaking of baby steps, but it's not. How do Miranda and Archer meet? What is that interaction about? Oh, yeah, that's a fun, fun interaction. I was trying to segue, but it just I couldn't think of a good way, so I'm I made it awkward. Yeah, no, ba- baby steps is not the way to do it. Let's not. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> This story is set in London in the late Victorian era, so like the late 1800s. Benjamin Archer and Miranda Ellis actually meet in a prologue, which takes place three years before the story begins. Archer is on the way to kill Ellis, which happens to be Miranda's father, because Ellis has his hands in piracy and caused a ship to sink that was carrying something very important to Archer. A cure. I was going to say Santa. (laughs) Santa? Speaking of compulsions. (laughs) We don't know what it's for or why or even what it is at this point, but the ship supposedly sank with this thing due to Ellis. And so Archer is peeved. And on the way to kill he stops and watches a couple young men i guess i mean he calls them boys but he like supposes one of them is like low teens i i don't know anyways he watches a couple boys sword fighting one of the boys is smaller but better skilled than the other one he's really enjoying their sword play and then he decides that he's gonna follow that younger one home and make sure they get home safe before he goes on his murder spree. Well, is it a spree if it's one person? I don't know. Anyway. No. Before he goes on to commit murder. 
as he's following this young boy home, I mean, this does not sound good, does it? <laughs> well, he wants to make sure that he arrives safely. Yeah, it's, it's benevolent. So that helps the wording, maybe. <laughs> it's just the way I'm wording it, I think, is just bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the the boy gets stopped in an alley by a couple of bigger boys, like ruffians. They grab him and then there's like a little bit of like shoving and whatnot. And the hat is removed from the boy's head and like riotous golden red hair falls down the person's back. Oh, it's a girl. Long hair does not mean female, but okay. <laughs> Uh, no obviously it's a girl now like we know now she's a girl which changes archer's estimate of this person's age thank god estimates them to be you know 18 ish instead of younger now that he knows the person's gender anyways the ruffians now that they know that they're dealing with a woman or a girl instead of a male they, of course, they want to have a different sort of fun and threaten to rape her. And she threatens them back and is like, don't make me hurt you, basically. <laughs> Archer's standing in the shadows. He ends up stopping them. He's kind of astounded by the girl, her lack of fear. <laughs> yeah. He's not sure. Is she is she stupid or... Or does she have something going on that I don't know about, even at this point? Because he knows that there's specialness in the world. Because it's alluded to in the prologue that he is special. I don't know of a better way to put that. Yeah, special, but not in a good way. Yeah, I'm having difficulties with phrasing as well. <laughs> like, I just... I'm going to blame the summer. It's summer. I blame the heat. Mm. <laughs> so anyways... He scares the ruffians away because, you know, he booms at them and they're like, oh, no, it's a man voice. We don't want to deal with that. And they haul ass. And then the girl questions him. Because she's also not afraid either. No, she's she has no fear. Like, I think that's one of her defining characteristics in the story is that Miranda just certain things don't bother her. Physical things. It's because she knows that when she walks into a room... Or assumes when she walks into a room, she is the biggest badass. She's not wrong. No. She questions him. They banter. She feels him up to check if he has weapons or something because he insists on following her home still. And then she finds out that he's actually planning to kill her father. Rude. I don't even remember. Does she convince him otherwise? Or does he just say, oh, I'm not going to now or something like that? I don't know. Okay remember maybe both <laughs> i think he decides in that moment i think maybe she's convinced that she convinces him but i think he's already <laughs> decided that's what my brain is telling me but my brain is a liar yeah now he's decided oh oh instead of killing her father i'm gonna make her marry me one day <laughs> like that's where his brain is at hmm. he's completely smitten but has stayed in the shadows this whole time like is afraid to let her see him he ends up giving her a gold coin, like a token. It's not real money, but it's real gold. And says here, you know, is like a gift. And she's like, oh, I can't take a gift. So she trades him her knife. And that's basically, basically how the situation ends. He goes off and doesn't kill her father. And she goes home and probably wishes he did. 
Like, <laughs> her father's an asshole. So. Yeah, it's, it's weird. I mean, she doesn't want him dead because it's her father. Yeah, she stays with her father out of a sense of, like, duty and family obligation, really. Family relations are complicated. Ding. Three years have passed. Miranda's situation has declined even more than before because now she's forced by her father to steal things so that they can maintain some semblance of their previous lifestyle. He is completely ruined of money, partly due to losing ships, but also due to a fire that got started in his warehouse by Miranda. Oops. On accident. Oops. So that might be why she stays and does these things and tries to take care of him or whatever. Yeah, she feels bad, like it's her fault or something, even though it's not. We don't get a lot of detail about like the extent of her power, but she has the power to control and cause fire and kind of heat too, really. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think in the prologue, she doesn't have, I mean, we don't know so much about it then, but I think... Either there or at the start of the story, she doesn't have as much control, but I think she gains more control. Or does she have the control from the beginning? I think she was afraid to try. Okay. Because after she accidentally burned down her dad's warehouse and everyone in her family discovered, oh, wow, Miranda can start fires. Whoops. By thinking. (laughs) They basically told, they, they told her like, don't do that. You have to pretend that's not a thing. And they succeeded in making her afraid of herself. Yeah. Because I remember she was she was afraid, she was hesitant, and I couldn't remember how skilled she was at the start of the story. Yeah, I'm not sure, because she doesn't really practice. I think it's more like as she becomes more confident, she becomes better at controlling it. Mm-hmm. So really, I don't know that she didn't have control. I think probably the first fire was a pure accident. And now that she knows it's a thing, she could control it. Maybe? That's fair. So anyways, Miranda is stealing a pearl necklace when we next see her by vamping a poor jewelry store clerk. Comes home. Her father tells her, oh, great news. You're getting married to Lord Archer. What? (laughs) And she's like, um, no, no, I'm not. And he's like, oh, yes, yes, actually you are because... Debts. Yeah, we need his money. He's going to pay for you. You owe me, daughter. He bought you. <laughs> Enjoy. Yeah, ew. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Although, I live to make life awkward. Although I think the dad does say, oh, you have to agree. Like, he insisted that you have to agree to it. Yeah, I love that Archer insists this, but the father is not at all concerned with her level of agreement. And it kind of concerns me that Archer tells the dad, oh yeah, she has to agree to it, knowing full well what an asshat the dad is. And then the dad pressures her into agreeing to it. He's like, well, you have to agree to it because you owe me. Was there any rule or social convention that would have prevented Archer from sending a message or trying to get her her consent a different way or is it because no no deep down he really just wants her to comply ergo well i think at this stage in the game he's he wants to fuck over her dad Mm. so i think maybe he didn't realize how detached the dad was from his daughters maybe yeah that's fair he thought maybe forcing the daughter to marry him due to money issues maybe would be a pride thing for the dad Mm -hmm. or something like i think he's trying to hit the dad where it hurts but he also wants miranda but then he does get her consent the following day so it's complicated 
I feel like he probably could have courted her and it would have been a bit scandalous due to the disparity in social status, but it probably would have been okay considering he doesn't give a fuck about that stuff. Yeah. I think it was more of a fear thing for him. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think he's afraid that if he did try to court her, she would say no. So he's doing like this back alley deal. Instead. Yeah, he wants some level of consent or some some level of approval or... He wants her to be into him too. Yeah. He wants it to be reciprocal. There we go. Yes. Anyways, Miranda, out of a sense of duty, guilt, obligation, feeling like maybe her dad has cheated Archer out of something by agreeing she would marry him, that if she backs out, she would be the perpetrator of another cheat, agrees. Okay, fine, I'll marry him. Then her dad is like, yay, it's happening tomorrow. (laughs) The happiest day of your life will happen tomorrow. Yeah, Miranda's like, great. (laughs) Wonderful. I'm so thrilled. The next day, right before the wedding, Archer asks to speak with Miranda privately. Now, when they meet for the first time, he is dressed all black. He's got a black silk scarf, like, wrapped around his entire head. And then he also has, like, a hard black full face mask over his face. Yeah, it's the Johnny Cash thing to an extreme. Yeah. And they describe the mask with, like, a Mona Lisa smirk on it. So, (laughs) super great. She meets with him in private. He wants to show her his face. So she knows what she's getting into before they actually get married. Because if she doesn't want to marry him due to his face, then she shouldn't have to. So he does want her consent. Like, he wants her to be informed. He's terrified, though. (laughs) Yeah. Poor buddy. (laughs) He is so fucking terrified. Miranda is not terrified ever. Archer is basically always terrified. (laughs) Which is a fun uh, switch. Yeah. (laughs) Really. I enjoyed that. They talk and they banter and he ends up not showing her his face. He accidentally, sort of on purpose, sort of insults her. (laughs) He tells her, oh, she's his only option to get married and he wants an heir. Yes, the heir (laughs) thing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and he tells her that he's deformed due to an accident. Mm -hmm. They end up getting married. She, She hasn't seen his face and then he takes her home. When they get to his house slash their house now, he gives her a brief tour of the house. She meets the butler, Gilroy, and then she asks about the rest of the staff. And he says, oh, well, for privacy reasons, I keep a small staff. And as they're walking down the hall, she reaches for him kind of for security. I think she's feeling like really out of her element here. She's in this big house with this man she met one time ever as far as she knows this is her husband now (laughs) (laughs) and she reaches for him for comfort and he pulls away and then he notices immediately like oh oops i should not have done that bad me he offers her his left side saying he doesn't like being touched on his right side due to his accident and i think she assumes it's like pain that he's feeling yeah i think so too but he offers her his left arm and they continue on and he drops her off in front of her quarters with Eula, the housekeeper. And then he says, oh, I'll see you at dinner. And then he fucks off. (laughs) A lot of fanfare here with this marriage. (laughs) Eula is like, oh, hey, I prepared lunch for you. Make sure you don't leave your room without an escort because you might find something you don't like. Yeah, I like Eula. Yeah, Miranda's like, great. 
Meanwhile, Archer, having fucked off, hauls ass up the back stairs of his house to his rooftop greenhouse and literally takes a cold shower. <laughs> like he is so, so filled with self-loathing because he wants her. Being in her presence just fills him with lust. He can't have her because he's afflicted and cursed. Oh, God. <laughs> He he's just super pathetic and he has like this whole pity fest. He strips off all his clothes and oh, I'm a monster. <laughs> we don't know why or anything. We don't get to see like the reader doesn't get to know at this point why. I think there is a hint like he really likes being in the light. Mm -hmm. And then he berates himself for liking it so much. So we do get a little bit of a hint, but it's not a very good hint. Then he puts on all his clothes again, including his full head mask and face covering and everything, and meets Miranda for dinner. And when they have dinner together, he watches her eat because he can't eat in front of her because he has a mask on. <laughs> this isn't awkward at all. <laughs> and she's like, is this going to be a thing? He's all, yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I expect you to take dinner with me, but I'll watch you eat. It's fine. <laughs> we have some more verbal sparring and halfway flirtatious behavior. And she says something that's kind of a bit more obviously flirty. And he responds. I think she thinks to herself, oh, oops, I reminded him I'm a woman. Damn. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but she's attracted to him, too. Like, he's a very comfortable person for her easy to talk to their communication is very easy back and forth like the banter and the chemistry that way she's very attracted to his presence i think she's attracted to his smell she doesn't know what he looks like obviously but she's attracted to his form the stuff that she does see and the other things she can sense and then he walks her back up to her room and she thinks oh well maybe we'll have wedding night type of deal but no he just you know, there's this high sexual tension moment and then he just leaves her there. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> I think we get some more like self-flagellation from him because why did I do this to myself? Because he's doomed. <laughs> it's so funny, though, because it's like he wants her. He wants her so bad and he wants to show her who he is and he wants to be accepted by her. But he's so, so, so afraid. Yeah. He just doesn't trust her reaction to what he looks like. The truth. Poor buddy. Yeah, he's he's struggling a lot. She's also struggling because she's kind of horny now. But I guess he's not going to be doing anything <laughs> about that for you, Miranda. Gotta fix yourself. Yep. He goes back to his quarters, which happens to be the room next door, and they have an adjoining door, so he's extra tortured. <laughs> Let's just ramp up that discomfort. Gilroy brings him his mail, and he's looking through it, and he sees someone sent him a box, and he opens it, and it's an eyeball, a human eyeball, with a note <laughs> that says, you should not have done it, and a clipping of his wedding announcement. And he's like, well, fuck, this isn't good. <laughs> But there's some part of him that agrees. Like, yeah, you're right. I made a mistake by trapping her with this hideous beast. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. So, you know, the Beauty and the Beast, like the cartoon, mm -hmm. the line where he goes, I'm a monster. <laughs> like, 
that was in my head throughout this whole book. Me too. For who could love a beast? <laughs> totally. It's like, yep, yep, yep. Dude, have you read fairy tales? They're like all about some woman falling in love with some beast. Let's prepare women for marriage. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> Social commentary from M here. Yeah, I don't. You're not wrong. That's why it hurts. <laughs> the truth hurts. Yeah. If he hurts you, he likes mm-hmm. you. Okay. He does have a suspicion that this could be Rossberry, who is... A former acquaintance, I think, is what we learn at this point. Yeah, you know they have history and you know that he doesn't like him. Yeah, and that might be the most likely person to be mad that he's back in England. Then, now keep in mind, it's effing late at night now. Gilroy comes to tell him, oh, there's an inspector here to talk to you. And he's all, great, I wonder why. He threw the eyeball and the note in the fire, so that's all gone now. And he doesn't tell anybody about it. It's just a thing. <laughs> well, who's he going to tell? Not the Ghostbusters. That had to have smelled. He could have told the inspector, hey, someone sent me an eyeball. <laughs> he has his reasons for not mentioning it. And I, I feel like maybe that's fair. I would think that he's assuming nobody's on his side. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, so no. Yeah, no, he's, he thinks he's a pathetic loser with no friends. He's totally sort of not wrong in some of that regard. He doesn't have anyone that he can rely on and he doesn't want people digging into his past. You're right. You're very, very right. But I do like it when that happens. If he were a normal dude. Yes. With normal dude problems. And he was under suspicion for a crime wherein someone was killed and had their eyeballs gouged out. It might be pertinent to show the inspector, hey, someone sent me a box with an eyeball in it. Yeah, totally. (laughs) that was my point i get why he didn't i even get why he burned it even though that had to have smelled Mm -hmm. bad how no one noticed that i don't know maybe they noticed but it's one of those awkward things you don't want to bring up (laughs) by the way (laughs) it's victorian society we don't discuss burning some human flesh there's a certain smell I wonder if it popped, you know, or was it popped already when it got sent to him? I guess not to get gross, but I think it would A, depend on how fresh. And I don't really know how gaseous the eyeball is. I mean, there's fluid, but I don't know. Well, I kind of feel like it would pop because it's because it's like a sphere. It's a hollow sphere with stuff inside it. Yeah, but it might there might be some popping, but I don't. I don't think it would be like a big pop. No, I'm picturing more like, okay, you you nuke a hot dog, but you don't poke holes in it with Mm, a fork mm -hmm. first. Like that sort of popping where it just kind of breaks the membrane. Yeah. I mean, there might be some of that, but I don't, yeah, I don't think it would be a big, a big thing. Should we have had a content warning for popping eyeballs at the beginning? Maybe. we can always cut this part out. (laughs) We don't have to share. I do like to overshare, you're right. (laughs) We are quite different in that. (laughs) That's a good point. However, it is interesting. (laughs) And I kind of wonder, like, (laughs) if it did. Like, I just do. I want to know. Inquiring Erica's want to know. I'm sure she has some way to contact her. Callahan, that is. And you can just, yeah, that won't be disturbing for her. Poor writer just receives an email or whatever. So did the eyeball pop. 
<laughs> Let's not give the author well, nightmares. <laughs> would she know or did she delve that much into it with the research? I don't know. Maybe she didn't want to gross out her readers. There is that. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Charge. While Archer is having his whole, ooh, wow, I have an eyeball now thing. Miranda is drinking in, I guess, like a study. Like, I was a little confused by this scene because Miranda's in a room drinking bourbon. Mm -hmm. And then she overhears Archer telling the inspector, oh, we can talk in here. So presumably she's not in her own quarters, but we don't get any sort of explanation of where she actually is. So I'm just assuming it's like a That's study what I or assumed. Yeah, but she doesn't like leave her room. So there, there's a little bit of an issue with the writing there. I felt like a mm. logistical mm -hmm. problem. Not a big problem, but you know, one of those things that we could have had a sentence. Miranda left her room and went to the study. I thought it was. I went back and checked and it talks about like how she's looking at the the alcohol and trying to determine which one to drink. But it doesn't say where the oh, fuck okay. she is. Clearly I added the sentence. We need an establishing shot, you know, like the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah, I remember being a little confused, but I guess I just fixed it in my head. So she overhears Archer telling the inspector, oh, we can talk in here. And she's all, well, shit, I'm wearing my crappy dressing gown, drinking Archer's bourbon. This is not a look. <laughs> <laughs> and she hides behind like a curtain or a screen or something at the back of the room. She recognizes the inspector as her brother-in-law, Winston Lane, who is her oldest sister's husband. Her oldest sister was lucky and got to marry for love. Yay. <laughs> lucky her. <laughs> uh, Winston says that Sir Percival Andrew was found murdered. And he is very careful because this is the Victorian era and we don't just accuse a peer of murder we don't even really question them either we just kind of <laughs> dance around the subject and see if they say anything <laughs> dancy dancy tango archer and miranda are both fully aware archer is a suspect and archer very blatantly says yeah and i don't have an alibi <laughs> well i was with this person until this time and that person until that time but i was completely by myself between this time and this time i guess i'm <laughs> fucked <laughs> like, he's so i don't know <laughs> he's like what you gonna do about it <laughs> cry and considering this is the time period and the location <laughs> that it is the setting that it is winston does nothing <laughs> he's like oh that's interesting <laughs> i always find this sort of thing in a historical story funny for some reason it's just a very funny social dance like i'm trying to uphold the law and solve a crime but i can't actually question any suspect <laughs> that is of a certain social standing <laughs> that would be rude <laughs> i know that's worse than murder <laughs> for some yeah <laughs> how impolite <laughs> <laughs> never mind the impoliteness done to the victim <laughs> winston shows archer a coin or token for the west moon club that was found laid on percival's eye socket i guess because his eyes were gouged out 
Miranda recognizes the coin as the same token she was given three years ago by Mystery Shadow Man in the alley. And she realizes, oh. And I think she's kind of titillated too. Like, oh, has he wanted me all these years? (laughs) But she's also freaking out. Did I just marry a murderer? Oops. (laughs) She doesn't want to believe that he's the murderer because she thinks he's hot and she's into him. But she also recognizes that's not a good reason to not believe someone's a murderer. (laughs) Oh, and Archer notices like the half drunk drink or whatever. So we get like a little clue. Archer is aware that Miranda saw all this. Yes, he knows she is sneaky, sneaky. Later that night, still the same night, mind you. (laughs) So Archer's had a busy day. He's been a busy boy. (laughs) He's gotten married. He's found a box with an eyeball in it. He's gotten questioned by an inspector. And now he's a murder suspect. And now he goes and pays a late night visit to Leland, who's another lord, planning to tell him about Percival. But instead, he tells him... That he got married and his wife will need an intro to society. He doesn't really say this, but he kind of heavily implies that he hopes Leland will help facilitate that. Leland also suspects Lord Rossberry because I guess they all have agreed that Rossberry is a dick. <laughs> he lost his mind for a while, right? Like he got placed in a sanitarium or sanatorium. Oh, I always get those confused. He got horribly burned yes. in a fire. And he blames Archer for the fire. Yeah, he's got a beef. It's reasonable he'd be pissed. Why he would kill Percival because he's pissed about Archer, we still don't know. But it's a thing. It's possible. Yeah, I mean, that could be something that would be revealed later. So it's easy to leave it be. I'm not dissing the writing at all. It's just like, we don't know still. There's a lot of things that we don't know yet. Yeah, yeah. The author is annoyingly good at hiding certain details in this book. (laughs) Originally, I thought, well, maybe he's a vampire or something until he strips off in the greenhouse and enjoys the light. And I'm all, oh, well, I guess not. Yeah. (laughs) Dracula could go in the sunlight. Well, yeah. So they discuss the whole Rossberry thing a little bit. And then Archer does tell Leland about Percival and says that he plans to find out who killed him. This is how things work in the peerage. A murder happens. It's a lord. Another lord is a suspect. So the suspect is going to go investigate (laughs) crime. Yes. Makes sense, right? Yeah. Totally unbiased. Sounds solid to me. At the end of this long ass day. (laughs) Day that never ends. We get a reprieve. A few days have passed now. Everyone in London society suspects Archer is the killer. Miranda doesn't want to believe it because she enjoys being around him and feels comfortable with him. Like they've had dinners together. They've interacted a lot. It's hard to reconcile the idea that this guy might also be a cold-blooded killer. Thick couches out <laughs> eyes. Like it just doesn't make sense. It's kind of a big deal. Again, society suspects, but it's more like salacious gossip. Mm-hmm. Oh, have you heard Archer murders people? <laughs> oh my. <laughs> Which is very, it's very amusing, but also kind of terrifying. I mean, if it's, you know, historically accurate, which I suspect it kind of is because other stories also have this sort of thing. Well, yeah, I mean, they can't do anything. And if the actual quote unquote law won't do anything because it would be impolite until there is like a preponderance of evidence, literally be caught red handed. 
by like society. And even then he may not get punished for it, you know, depending on how he was killing this person <laughs> when he's caught. Yes. Because I mean, if it's a duel, yeah. it's totally fine. Yeah, duels went on for like a... Human life is worth a lot less. (laughs) But with duels, there were all these sorts of rules of engagement. It wasn't just as like, you grab your gun, I'll grab mine, and let's try to kill each other. No, there were rules. True, true, true. But you were allowed to murder somebody in a duel. Yeah, murder is allowed in the society. They just put rules around it. Capital punishment self-defense there's a difference i guess i mean between Mm. murder and killing yeah where does society draw the line that's kind of the issue i think and murder is when it's illegal to kill somebody yeah intent yeah not to get into the whole ethical side of things at all this is just strictly like society yes yes (laughs) (laughs) let's let's not delve into that no no deep well (laughs) i didn't bring my floaties let's not so days have passed Archer wants to take her out for a night in society at Lord Cheltenham's. So this is the whole introducing Miranda to society thing. (laughs) Miranda society, society Miranda. (laughs) Essentially, yeah. I mean, that's also kind of a societal Mm -hmm. rule, right? You know, hey, I married somebody. She's cool now, guys. Here she is. She knows a secret handshake. When they get there, he introduces her to the Lords Leland, Cheltenham, and Meriwether. And these are all old dudes. Miranda pegs them to be probably in their 60s. We find out later they're older than that. And they ask Archer in coded language, kind of, that they want to talk to him later to discuss (laughs) roses. Miranda's like, um, what? Is this like a botany (laughs) club that you're part of, Archer? Like, what? Botany was huge then. (laughs) This is a little weird. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was. I mean, interest in the natural world, you know, um, natural science as a hobby. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, in fact, like a lot of things like that we discovered as people, you know, Mm -hmm. in in the real world were discovered by hobbyists, at least initially. Like it wasn't necessarily a job you could have. It was, oh, you're rich and you don't have to do anything. So you might as well explore stuff. And then Rossberry shows up. Everyone is like, oh, Rossberry, why are you here? (laughs) But they let him stay. Because it would be impolite to ask him to leave. And then all the men disappear. Like, they just all fuck off. And Miranda's like, okay, well, I guess I'll just be here by myself. She's approached by a woman who's kind of mysterious. And wearing a lot of makeup. Yeah, Miranda can't really place how old this woman might be. She might be 20. She might be 40. She doesn't know this woman has powder caked on her face. Miranda suspects, oh, this makes her look older. Yeah, she even wonders if she's a prostitute. Not in like a judgy way, just she doesn't know who this is. She's trying to figure it all out. Yeah, and this woman is dressed very, very nicely, but she's wearing a very high-necked, long-sleeved dress. One of the very interesting things about this woman, though, is that she has the exact same eye color as Archer, which is like this very slate gray very beautiful gray color. The woman introduces herself as Victoria. She says she's Archer's third cousin. Miranda's a little astounded at that. Like, oh, I didn't know Archer had family. And as they are talking, all of a sudden, Cheltenham interrupts their conversation. It's like, oh, hey, Victoria, can you come dance with me over here and stop talking to Miranda? (laughs) Like, that's kind of the impression I get. Like, hi, I am interceding. (laughs) Boom. And then Archer swoops in and he's, He's like, 
yeah, don't talk to that woman anymore. She's terrible. <laughs> she's like, but she's your cousin. Or she's like, yeah, no, no, I am not related to her. She is a woman with a poor reputation. You need to avoid her. And Miranda's like, um, okay. <laughs> and then Archer abruptly disappears again. Like he just fucks off again. Like he's like, <laughs> it's like, don't talk to her. Bye. Glad we touched base. You're behaving badly. Don't do that. <laughs> so then Miranda goes looking for him. I think she wants answers. Like she just does not understand. You avoid society until tonight. And then you avoid me and tell me I can't talk to this one person. And you keep leaving me alone. And what the hell is going on? What is this? Yeah, she wants clarity. But she happens to find him talking with Victoria. And Victoria is acting very familiar with him. Like he's her past lover, calling him Benji and beloved. and So probably not a cousin, but given the time, maybe? Dude. Ew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong. Still. Miranda is jealous, but more like in a possessive mm-hmm. way, like hands off bitch mine. Then, oh no, does he actually care about me? Because I think she's pretty secure. Like, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's into me. Yes. So it's more like... Stop touching my man. I own him. Back off. Victoria is taunting him. Mm -hmm. Like she's being really mean. Flicking his mask and saying he can't have bedded his bride or else she would have fled from him in horror. Like she's just really, really ice cold mean. Yeah. So mean. And Archer is like, why are you here? What do you want? And Victoria says, oh, are you sure you want to talk while people are watching? Implying, yeah, we all know you're here, Miranda. (laughs) And then Miranda hauls ass. She's like, bye. And then Victoria tells Archer, only I know what you truly are. We belong together and it is time you remembered. (laughs) So now Archer is worried because Miranda heard all that and saw all that. And he doesn't know what she's thinking now and is worried. She might be thinking something he doesn't want (laughs) her to be thinking. (laughs) He wants to comfort her. He finds her in the garden There's not really much of an argument or anything. It's like he wants to comfort her. She's like still kind of wanting answers. And then they smell something nasty. And then they discover the dead body of Uh Cheltenham, who had his throat slit and has the same type of coin over his eyeball. Also, it might be important to point out that both of the dead people have had their hearts removed. Yeah. This isn't just a a throat slit situation. This is a throat slit and a heart removal situation. This is beyond overkill. Gross. (laughs) the scene ends next we find miranda visiting her sister poppy at poppy's bookshop maybe the next day not entirely sure i suspect it's the next day miranda's other sister daisy also shows up and they're all a bit gossipy daisy's teasing miranda about sexy stuff and miranda is very i think embarrassed but not Because she doesn't want to discuss sexy stuff. It's more like she's embarrassed Mm -hmm. because they haven't done sexy stuff. And Daisy is just astonished that they haven't had sex. Really? I thought that was the whole reason a lord would marry a young lady with no reputation or money to speak. (laughs) It was purely for the sexy stuff. And Daisy points out that that's what society will think too. That's not just a sister thinking that. That's what everyone will think. And also, that's Daisy's situation. She's married to an old lecher of a lord yeah her beast (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, but not in a good way. No, not in a good way. The whole reason Miranda wanted to visit Poppy was because Poppy has access to books. She wants to research the West Moon Club coin and see if she can figure out more information. She suspects this is related to the murders because every dead person has had a coin on their eye. They do a lot of research that day, but they can't really figure out anything about it. Poppy's basically like, well, I'll let you know if I discover anything else, but probably won't. And then the following day, Miranda decides, well, I guess I need to start stalking (laughs) Archer and get answers from him that way. She follows him to the British Museum. She ends up finding what room he's in. And he knows she's there. Like, he's just aware Every time she sneaks around, she's not a very good sneaky sneak, at least as far as Archer is concerned, because he's always hyper aware that she's there. And so he's like, well, come out of hiding and come talk to me. Miranda tells Archer she was following him because of the peerage murders, and she just can't believe it was him. She's doing her own investigation because she wants to prove his innocence. He asks her, why don't you think it's me? (laughs) He's expecting her to hate his guts. Yeah, poor buddy. She's deflecting direct questions because that way lies vulnerability. He tells her he didn't do it, and they end up spending the day together. Toward the end of the day, he asks her, why didn't you leave me yet? Any other woman would leave at this point. Or detach. Well, I don't mean like divorce. I think just like leave his presence and not be... Yeah, emotionally detach. Because she couldn't divorce. I mean, there were rules. And she says that she knows he was the man in the alley from three years ago. And then they both kind of admit to each other that they're into each other. And he takes the hard part of the mask off. The scarf is only wrapped around like the top part of his face. She can see like the lower part of his face, like his lips and his jawline and everything. And this is a very sexually fraught scene. They're into each other. Their body is like sharing electricity. They're that close. And then they do like this weird kissing thing that, I don't know, did you think it was hot, M? Because it kind of grossed me out. I wasn't feeling it. I'm glad they did. But yeah, (laughs) I was not. (laughs) They're like licking each other's tongues, but they're not like touching anything in any other place, just tongue to tongue. Like I said, not for me. Like no lips are involved. I'm I'm glad they had a good time. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, ew. (laughs) <laughs> like that's like ew. <laughs> I don't know. It really got to me like that 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 was the only part of them touching. Like I think if they were holding each other and doing it, it wouldn't have grossed me out as bad. But the fact that there yeah. was like <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah. <laughs> And it's funny. It's kind of funny to picture it, too. Like, I'm imagining two people, like, sticking their tongues out, like, Yeah, unfortunately, the imagery, it doesn't evoke, I think, the sensuality of what I think the writer was going for. The author does a really good job with every other sexually charged moment in this story. The sex scenes are good. The other kissing stuff is all good. Like, just the sexual tension is good. You can tell they have chemistry. It's just the tongue touching. Like, ew. Yeah, like I said, not for me. <laughs> so as they're licking each other's tongues, <laughs> when you say they're interrupted sorry. by a sound. Uh, Archer. <laughs> I know. <laughs> How would you, what no, would you say? How would just, you explain I can't it? think of a better way. I just, I don't know why it, it was that moment that the funny really hit, but it did. 
I think it's like, okay, I'm going to be an adult about this. And then all of a sudden it's like, nope, I'm 13. (laughs) I had to take a break from the book at this moment. You know, I had to go get a drink of water and like chill out for a little bit after reading that scene. Okay. They're interrupted (laughs) by a sound. Archer pulls her away. So now he touches her. A dagger was thrown at Miranda and then landed in the wall because Archer pulled her away in time. And then they hear evil cackling (laughs) and they both chase after the person. Archer tells her to stay here, but she does not. And they chase after the person and see a man or someone who looks like a man dressed as Archer, like all in black, complete with the mask. We know this is the killer. The killer has been dressing like Archer to perpetrate these crimes on purpose to make it look like Archer. Archer then tells Miranda, stay here. And then he leaps over the, like the railing of the staircase down three stories, lands totally fine and gives chase. Miranda follows, because of course she does, and arrives just in time to see them dueling. And the villain manages to get the upper hand in this duel and goes in for the kill. They've injured Archer. Archer is down. Oh no. And then Miranda intervenes because she's not afraid. She knows she could set the world on fire if she wants to. But she ends up using her umbrella, I think, to hit them and knocks them off balance and whatever enough so that Archer can get up and also resume the fight. And then the killer escapes. And then, of course, we get the inevitable scene where the man is angry because the woman (sighs) didn't stay away from the danger. But Archer handles it reasonably well to a point. You know, he's mad. And Miranda's like, you're mad. And he's all, yeah, I know. She's like, well, why aren't you yelling? (laughs) Mm, Because I'm mad. (laughs) He's very self-contained about it. And then he says, I know you're not a fool, so you must have some reason to think you can protect yourself. What is it? What is your secret? And he's thinking back to that day in the alley when she wasn't afraid of those ruffians that... Yes. threatened to rape her either and he tries to get her to react he tries to get her to show him what it is like provoke a response out of her by groping at her roughly and like thrusting her against a wall but she ends up responding to this in a sexual way like she's into it and so he ends up fingering her she, she's coming against a wall in an alley i don't know angry yeah. fingering i guess i don't know but okay so <laughs> Marked difference here yes. compared to the tongue yes. licking, though. Because this was hot. I was into this. The tongue licking, no. Angry fingering in the alley, Yay. yes. <laughs> so we know the author can do it. Maybe just stay away from the tongue thing. But like, just maybe do other anymore. members of the audience, other readers wouldn't have the problem. So to each his own. I am curious. Like, if we could... If we could managed to host a poll and get like actual responses (laughs) i would love to know (laughs) hot or not (laughs) you're right though if you were into it it's fine everyone's into their own thing (laughs) i'm judging everyone's judgy i'll try to stop being judgy okay verbally verbally so you'll be non-verbally judgy (laughs) hey no one can see me it's fine Uh, okay, she comes, then he asks her again, like, what is your secret? She won't tell him because she can't trust either. Her whole family wanted her to keep it hidden, and the one person she did trust ended up not wanting 
to be around her anymore once they knew. She doesn't want to be left by Archer. She doesn't trust that he'll be okay with her secret. They're very alike in that way, except her secret is badass and his is... But they're both very alike in the whole, like, I can't trust you with my secret (laughs) because you'll leave me. But it's good. I don't know. I enjoyed that they both had that secret. Yeah, I did too. Mm -hmm. It made them more equal. And the fact that her secret does make her so powerful makes her have more agency in the story, I think. Like, she truly doesn't have to do something if she doesn't want to. So that's nice. Yeah, it was great that she had agency. I enjoyed that a lot. (laughs) Because so many times in historicals, the female characters don't. So keep in mind, like, everything that she's done in this story, she's either done because she wanted to or because she felt bad for someone else. Yeah. That's what it is. It's... It's about her navigating society. It's not about having mm-hmm. to do it. She chooses her own courses. Miranda notices Archer is wounded and bleeding. And she's like, you must let me tend to you. They get in the coach and on the way home, she asks him, so that day three years ago, why did you want to kill my dad? <laughs> what did he do to you? I'm assuming he deserved it. Ouch. He won't tell her. He deflects. When they get home, he tries to escape her ministrations, but she chases him up the (laughs) stairs to his room, insists on attending his wound. You know, she wants him to strip off. He would rather die than let her see him. Like, I think she actually even asks him that, and he's all, yes. Death first. (laughs) So she says that he can keep his right side covered, but he has to let her help him, because if he twists... To sew up his own wound, it will gape. And then we learn that Archer trained as a surgeon before his accident. So he actually has like medical supplies and laudanum, iodine, and all sorts of fun things. So he's able to to guide Miranda through tending his wounds in a very decently hygienic way. Yeah. It was nice. <laughs> she could cauterize. <laughs> I like that the author let the hero mm. show pain. Yeah. Like that he felt pain. Um, he actually takes laudanum to handle the pain. And he, you can tell it hurts. Like when she's cleaning him, you can tell he's like, oh, God. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> he's not. Yeah. I thought that was unusual. And I really Me appreciated too. that. It's like, oh, yes, he's feeling. Yay. Yeah. He's a human. He's not he a has hero. Feels. He's a human. It's nice. <laughs> yeah. It was good. And as she's tending to him, they kind of share a bit of their backstory. And she tells him that she accidentally started a fire in her father's warehouse. She doesn't say how, just that she burned down her father's shit. And then he tells her about how he had four sisters. He fought in a duel to protect one of his sister's honor and ended up getting sent to Italy after that. And meanwhile... His whole family caught influenza and he came home to see like the last of them dying. And one of the sisters was his twin that he was extremely close to, like almost on a psychic level. <sighs> it was sad. And, it was. and then Miranda asks again, can I see all of you? But he's too afraid. He says, or he thinks, I think he's just thinking. He, he's afraid she's not going to look at him the same way. He's accepted at this point. Okay, she's into me. She sees me as a man. She sees me as a person. I like that. I don't want to ruin that. He's afraid that if she sees him, sees his curse, then she'll be out. But he does apologize for being rough with her in the alley. 
And she's like, yeah, I liked it, though. It was fine. (laughs) He says, you know, you should leave me. You're not safe with me. I'll let me know where you want to live. I'll set you up with a house. And she tells him then about how she was left on her wedding day. She was engaged while he was gone and out of touch for those three years. Actually to the man that she was dueling with at the beginning of the story. She doesn't tell Archer this, but the reason he left her was because she had told him about her power and he was not into it sad and archer i think recognizes that pain the loss um especially because miranda doesn't really have she has no mom and her dad is a is a jerk and she has sisters but her sisters are married so she doesn't get to hang out with them all the time she doesn't really have anyone and she was left and it hurt and he doesn't want to hurt her And so he tells her that he won't leave her. That ends that conversation. Okay, fine. (laughs) You can stay in danger (laughs) because of your feelings. A couple days later, I guess, Miranda is out shopping with her sisters and she's thinking about how she and Archer are avoiding each other now. Whoops, they were too vulnerable. (laughs) Must avoid. While they're out and about, they see Victoria. Daisy recognizes her and says her name is Victoria Allernon. And apparently Archer was in a duel eight years ago and it was over Victoria. So Daisy has the 411. Miranda wants to learn more about... Archer and Victoria's relationship, like what are they to each other? Why is she approaching him now and acting all friendly now? And again, she has like this jealousy, but it's more protectiveness Mm -hmm. for Archer still. I liked that about this story too, that she is very secure in the knowledge that no he's into me he picked me yeah i like that too i think that there was opportunity here to insert some jealousy and i'm actually glad the author didn't really do that and focused on making miranda protective i liked that that choice miranda ends up inviting victoria to go get tea with her and when they go to get tea just the two of them because the sisters were busy oops (laughs) She's planning to ask about the whole thing with Archer, but instead out of her mouth pops, so what do you know about the West Moon Club? (laughs) Victoria's a little like shocked, like I was not expecting you to ask me that question. Surprise! She changes the subject to Archer's mask and says, what if I told you it is something wondrous and beautiful he hides? Would that make you feel better? And they go back and forth in conversation about Archer and the Half Moon Club. And it's obvious Victoria Mm -hmm. is jelly that Archer is with Miranda. As far as she's concerned, Archer belongs to her and he just needs to see his senses. Miranda asks if Victoria wants Archer back and says, you're going to have to go through me to get to him. And then Victoria says she's going to give her some advice. And what Victoria tells her is, everyone lies, most especially your husband. If he thinks it will protect you, Archer will not hesitate to employ the simplest equivocation to keep you in the dark. Do not let him or risk losing him entirely. Mm. Moving on. Every night, Archer has been going out in search for the killer. So he's still conducting his own investigation. And on this particular night, Miranda disguises herself as a man, dirties herself up, and decides to do some investigating of her own. And she goes to an alley and sets the gutters on fire to catch the attention of a ruffian known as Billy Finger. Now, Billy Finger actually happens to be one of the ruffians from that alley Mm -hmm. situation three years ago. But after that happened, 
and Miranda was forced to begin stealing to fund her family. Billy caught her stealing and cornered her, and Miranda set the alley on fire, including (laughs) Billy, but then felt bad and so took him home and helped him out with his burns. And then after that, they were friends, and he taught her how to be better at the street life, how to fit in, how to run different scams, how to do the the stealing in the right (laughs) way. I don't know. (laughs) How to be better at it. So she thinks, well, maybe Billy can give me some information on this West Moon Club. She shows him the coin and asks him about it. And he says, oh, he'll see if he can find anything out. But as they're talking, they see this other dude walking down the alley. He's another ruffian. He apparently is a big bad one, though, because people are like parting, letting him by, showing deference. This dude is called Black Tom. Billy's like, okay, well, we should probably go before he sees us. And so they're heading out, but they end up getting cornered by Black Tom. Black Tom has noticed that Miranda is a woman, so her disguise did not work. He says, well, since you stepped on my turf, you belong to me. There's heavily implied rape Mm -hmm. threat there. Not just from Black Tom, but it kind of almost feels like she's going to get gang raped and then left for dead. Like it it kind of feels like that. Bad like, yeah. it's it's bad. Miranda, <laughs> the thing that's bothering her in this situation is that there are so many <laughs> innocent people around. She's like, oh, God, I can't, I can't do it because everyone will be get hurt. Like, people who don't deserve it could get hurt. She's kind of, I think, trying to accept her fate. Okay, well, I guess I'm going to be raped and left for dead then. I can't hurt all these innocent people with my fire. And she's worried she can't focus it as closely as she would need to in order to avoid innocent casualties. But then Black Tom starts groping her. Things start escalating and she kind of reacts. The lamps end up exploding and causing a fire in spite of all the innocent people. And she can't seem to control her protective reaction. And this brings to mind what you asked me before, like how her control seems to improve. And I think that here... She wasn't in control because she was trying not to do it. I think she could have focused and like set his hands on fire or something. And it makes sense that that given the stressful situation, she found it difficult to do that. Possibly. But what my my thought is, is that she thought she Hmm. couldn't control it well enough. Like she doubted herself, her own ability because she's never practiced it. She's never, you know, and she doesn't want to hurt people. Every time that she's done it, it has been because something brought it out of her. She hasn't done it on purpose, really. Yeah, it's not a conscious thing. Yeah, and I think even in this moment, it's not on purpose. I feel like if she could have not set the whole alley ablaze, she would have, you know. I think if she thought she could have controlled it, she would have tried that instead. So I think she just isn't trying and instead trying not to. And that's why disaster yeah. is striking. Yeah, The alley is on fire. There's a crush of panicked people trying to escape. Miranda is trapped. She can't get out because she's now under threat of being trampled. And she's trying to fight through the crowd when somebody grabs her and gets her to safety. And she's fighting against this person. But it turns out it's Lord Ian McKinnon, who is actually Rossberry's son. Kinnon is into her, unabashedly into her. He is kind of flirty with her, but also kind of wants to know what's going on. Like, why are you here? Why are you trying to figure stuff out? What is your interest in the in the West Moon Club? And he takes her coin, 
says that his father is actually a member or was a member of the West Moon Club, but that learning the secrets from the club or the secrets about the club won't help clear Archer's name. So they have like this frustrating interaction and okay, fine. Meanwhile, Archer has gone to the Rusty Spanner Tavern on the docks because Leland had sent him a note about Dover hiding out there. And Dover was apparently the captain of the ship that the thing that he lost that he wanted was on. He gets to the tavern and he ends up talking to Dover and Dover's son Tucker and learns that the box that he thought he lost was actually with them. They were on the ship. They got off the ship early and took his (laughs) shit with them including this box that he wanted. And then they gave all that stuff to Rossberry because they were working for Rossberry and Rossberry had it out for Archer because <laughs> drama. And as he's realizing all this and things are clicking into place, he also realizes that his drink was drugged and he gets kind of knocked out and carried off. But he's not knocked out for very long because as he wakes up, he's still being carried. The people carrying him think he's dead. Like they think this drink killed him. Oops. And they're talking about how they have to throw him in the kiln. And he realizes what they're planning to do. And so he starts fighting them and he gets loose and he just kills all of them. Like it's not even a contest once he's actually trying. We learn a little bit about the disparity between the sides of his body. Like his right side is much stronger than his left side. And at one point he's killing a guy with his left hand and it kind of freaks him out that he used his human hand to do it. So we get a little bit more clues, but not really because there are a lot of supernatural baddies that are strong. Like all of them. It's kind of just a a trait they all possess. They're so good looking. They're so strong. (laughs) Okay, so Archer has massacred a whole group of baddies. He gets home and he's kind of hovering outside Miranda's room because he wants her, but he can't have her as far as he knows. He hears her crying. He does go in. He wants to know why she's crying. And she says, can you stay with me? Against his better judgment, he lies on the bed next to her. And it's very awkward because she's under the covers and he's above the covers. And there's the sexual tension again and whatnot. She tells him that she had a dream that he was dead. And they hold hands in the dark. He wants to kiss her. He wants to have sex with her. He wants to make love to her. But then he thinks about his former fiance. He had showed her his hand that had begun to change and she left him. He's again, no, I can't show her. She'll leave me. Then she tells him about her past, how she used to be a thief and why. And he realizes he's in love with her and he's even more determined to find a cure. And the box that he wants that went to Rossberry had a secret compartment in it with a ring And he needs that ring because that ring has some kind of info that will tell him about possibly a cure. So they go to sleep. The next day, Archer is gone because, oh no, we were too vulnerable. I must avoid. McKinnon pays Miranda a visit. He's very, again, flirtatious with her. He tries to make it seem inappropriate even when things aren't. Yes, he's a bit of a brat. Yeah. And they play a question for a question. (laughs) Like, I'll answer your question if you answer mine. Her question is about the West Moon Club, of course. And he tells her that the West Moon Club was searching for immortality. His question is about her powers because he saw what happened in the alley. That's one of the reasons he rescued her. That's one of the reasons he's into her. And he wants to know if it feels good when she uses her power. And Miranda just tells him, yeah, so you know how it really hurts when you get a burn? 
how can you possibly think I'm the type of person that is, feels good about doing that to somebody? But secretly, in her dark little heart, in the hidden place, she doesn't like hurting people, but she does like yeah. using her power. But she doesn't tell him that, because screw him. Yeah, she's not obligated to. Plus, he's a brat. <laughs> yeah. And while they're chatting, Archer comes home, and then McKinnon starts acting <sighs> like they've been fooling around instead of talking. Like he's straightening his clothes and, whoo, you know, and, oh, it's bad. And Archer is mad and kicks him out and then stalks off. And then Miranda is worried. Oh, no. Does he think something happened? Did he think I was being unfaithful? And she's looking for him. And Eula says, oh, he went to the greenhouse. You got to go up the back stairs to get there. Miranda had no <laughs> idea there was a rooftop greenhouse. This is new to her. Well, she's not allowed to explore unattended. Yeah, true story. And she doesn't push his boundaries in that way. No, she doesn't. She's respectful of his boundaries. Miranda finds Archer, tells him, oh, you have no reason to be jealous. And they both want to trust each other with their secrets, but are afraid. Yes, the fear. Miranda wants him to kiss her, but he won't. She actually does initiate kissing him. Which was much better than tongue licking. Yes. <laughs> there is frenzied making out. They're like up against the marble work table. Things are getting hot, literally. Things are getting heavy. You know, he's gripping the table with his hand, his right hand. And then all of a sudden the marble work table fractures and breaks and it's burned. <laughs> and so she runs away because she thinks she caused it because of her power. She feels like maybe the passion caused her to lose control. And he thinks he broke it because of his hand, his powerful, powerful inhuman mm -hmm. hand. And he thinks she's afraid of him. And that's why <laughs> she ran. So there's this big old misunderstanding. Oh, no. A reasonable misunderstanding. Yeah. Considering. And then later that night, Archer is out stalking <laughs> McKinnon. He had seen the ring he was looking for on McKinnon's finger. And you get the impression that's why he was mad. So while Miranda thought he was jealous, maybe he was a little bit or worried more than jealous. He was also like, ah, there's my ring. Yes. But I can't take it now in front of Miranda. Then she'd know stuff. <laughs> now you have to keep her in the dark so she's safe. Because yep. ignorance is safety. So we get a lot of hints at this point that McKinnon is a werewolf. There have been some hints, I think, at the tavern, like there were wolfy tattoos <laughs> or something like that. and Werewolves of London. But oh. we're still not really sure what Archer is. And the only real hint we get about him at this point is that he smells like nothing or possibly like frozen death, which is still kind of like nothing, I guess. Archer confronts McKinnon and says, I want my ring back. And McKinnon says, I'll trade it for time with Miranda. <laughs> Ew. Yes. And then Archer attacks him and they fight and Archer bests him and manages to steal his ring back. And as he goes to leave, McKinnon starts guilt tripping him. Like, why did you bring Miranda into this mess? You should know better. You better show her what you are before it's too late for her to escape from you. Well, he's a jerk. I don't know how much of his behavior is jealousy McKinnon's. Or something else. I don't know. I think he's lustful toward Miranda, but he also really wants to get a rise out of Archer. Yeah. It's not so much, oh, Miranda's the one for him. It's more like, oh, she's hot. And if I messed with her, that would really yeah. piss Archer off. Yeah, it definitely seems to be more targeted at <laughs> Archer than it is Miranda. Yeah. I think he's playing with her, and I don't think he'd turn her down. No. But, yeah, it's definitely, he wants to get back at or do something to make Archer upset. 
And I don't think we really know why. No. Aside from Archer's beef with his dad. But McKinnon doesn't really seem to care about his dad. So it's a mystery. No, he doesn't. It's for book two. Yes, ma'am. We get a little bit of info on the ring. It has like a sun carving on it or something. And it was originally given to Archer by his mother. And his twin was given a moon ring with a moonstone in it, which is actually now Miranda's wedding ring. He has a hidden compartment in his ring, which his valet, who had been in Egypt looking for a cure for him, hid a message. And the message says that there's not a cure, but a solution. (laughs) Cryptic. That's a crappy message. (laughs) And there's also implication that the magic involved is from the Druids and not ancient Egyptian magic like they thought. Now, Meriwether has been killed. So three lords, all connected by this West Moon Club thing, are dead. They're all missing their heart. We are in the killer's point of view and we get a little bit of insight that they're punishing the people who forced Archer to leave England. So after the accident, quote unquote, where Archer got deformed, quote unquote, the other people in the West Moon Club were like, oh, well, you have to leave now. You can't stay in England, especially (laughs) after you killed that guy in that duel. (laughs) This killer also wants to punish Archer by framing him for the murders, thereby making him look bad in society, and also has plans to toy with Miranda. Maybe kill her later, but right now just play with her like a cat plays with a mouse. Later, days later, I don't know, Miranda's getting ready to go to a masquerade ball. Lord and Lady Blackwood's masquerade ball. And when they get there, Archer does not want to dance, but he has resolutely filled up her dance cards so no one else can dance with her. (laughs) And he goes to get them drinks and McKinnon dances with her anyway because fuck rules. He warns her that his father plans to ruin Archer. She says, well, you should tell Archer about this. And she walks off. And as she's stalking away, Rossberry grabs her and wants to know what his son told her. Here is where Miranda starts to more consciously use her power. She subtly threatens him Mm -hmm. with her fire. She's kind of like, are you sure you want to be doing this right now? And things start getting (laughs) hot, literally. Rossberry's aware that something is going on. Like, oh, Miranda has some sort of secret. So that's where it's interesting. Like when she makes a conscious choice to do it, she can do like this low-key threatening thing. Yeah. Totally fine. Another tick in the evidence column that she has control. She just doesn't think she does until she decides she does. I don't know. Until she has more confidence. Yeah. I think it's all about confidence. I do too. And then Lady Blackwood intervenes because, oh no, things are looking impolite. And Rossberry is her great uncle. Oh my, Miranda, your hair got <laughs> messed up. Miranda asks, oh, well, is there somewhere I can go to fix up my hair? Lady Blackwood tells her of a guest room she could use. And so Miranda goes off there. And meanwhile, we're back with Archer. He's bringing back drinks, but he hears a voice calling Miranda. (laughs) And he recognizes this voice and runs to find Miranda. Miranda has fixed her hair. She also hears this voice and she's like kind of trying to find out where it is, but it's kind of directionless and she's sort of heading toward this You get a feeling it's a trap when Archer grabs her from behind and he's all, you know, something is amiss here. We need to leave. And Miranda's like, yeah, I feel that too. So they leave. He gets Miranda settled in the coach to go home. And just as he goes to join her, a maid falls down and Archer goes to help. I felt that was awkward. It was like the author's like, yeah, no, there has to be some reason for Archer to Mm. leave the coach. 
And it didn't make sense to me that Archer would go help a maid. Not when Miranda's in danger and yeah, no. Yeah. Like it's life or death for Miranda, but the maid falls down. But in an otherwise well-written book, you know, it's easy to just go, okay, fine, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it did seem is a little a little interjected. So while Archer is conveniently out of the picture, <laughs> the coach takes off with just Miranda in it, and Miranda hears the same cackling from the museum from the driver's Uh-oh. seat. And Ruh-roh. the coach is like hauling ass down the road, and Archer's chasing after inhumanly fast. He manages to leap onto the coach and climb to the roof, and he pulls the driver off the driver's seat they fall off the coach and roll away and miranda is now stuck in a runaway coach <laughs> yay and so she's like well shit fire can't solve this she rips off her skirts because she's like well these are going to be an impediment and she climbs up to the driver's seat and tries to find the reins but they're on the ground and she's like <laughs> oh crap and as she's trying to figure out like well what do i do now do i jump the coach crashes into a ditch and she gets knocked out of the coach and passes out Archer and the villain have a fight, and the villain gets the upper hand. They're stronger. You get more intel a little bit because Archer thinks of the villain as a thing. Yeah. This is a thing. This is a monster. This isn't a a person. And then the villain says Archer must choose either his heart or Miranda's, and Archer chooses his. And the villain's like, well, in four days, there's the new moon and the winter solstice, and that's going to make your heart stronger, so... You can wait till then. But if you do not come to me, I will cut Miranda into little pieces while she's alive. Dun, dun, yeah, dun. it's gross. Archer is scared for Miranda. He's realizing now that the shit has hit the fan. He needs to do something to make sure Miranda stays safe because he brought her into this whole situation. He goes to find her. He's worried that she's hurt or possibly killed from this wreck. Miranda is trapped under the coach. He manages to lift the coach off of her by himself, and she happens to be unhurt, conveniently. Yay! That night, I think, after Miranda gets safely tucked into bed, Archer goes to visit Leland again to ask for help. He's gone in the rain, and so he's soaking wet, and Leland is like, well, you need to change, or else you'll catch your death. Do you want a dressing gown? And... Archer's like, do you want to leave? And Leland's like, no, it's fine. And Archer's like, are you sure? Like, you want to see all this? (laughs) But Leland stays and he sees Archer and is shocked by his appearance. We don't know what his appearance is. We just know that Leland is shocked to the core. Archer shows Leland the message from the ring and... They do have a little bit of a conversation about it. Leland has some more knowledge about the druids, I guess. Archer says that he's going to have to fully change so that he can actually be a match for, quote, that thing and have a hope of protecting Miranda. And apparently fully changing is going to cost him his soul. So then Archer and Leland go to Cavern Hall, which is like a cave in the middle of nowhere, sort of. It's creepy. It looks like things have happened there. Archer has a memory about how he and Leland were both supposed to drink this silver liquid, but Leland didn't. And then Archer ran off because the liquid caused pain. When they're in Cavern Hall, they discover two letters. One tells of a way to conjure a powerful demon of light, and the other letter is begging for the receiver to destroy (laughs) the first letter. 
So it doesn't sound good. They also find a bronze sword with hieroglyphics on it that just has like this sense of power emanating from it. We learn more. There was a secret sect of Egyptian priests that were tasked with the creation and care of beings called Children of Light and then used the sword to control them. The sword supposedly belonged to Amit the Devourer slash Eater of Hearts, who was the mother of the first light demon and is apparently an Egyptian demon. I didn't know they had demons, so that was interesting. So they find a lot of stuff. They kind of know, okay, we got a plan now. Archer asks Leland to keep everything safe until he's ready to use it. And he feels like he's planning his death. Hmm. But he also feels hopeful. So I'm not sure. He's a mixed bag. Like it's not clear. Later, 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 the inspector comes by again and talks to Miranda and Archer. Miranda's cloak was found with their dead coachman. So yeah, the coachman that drives their coach was killed and his heart taken out. And was left with Miranda's cloak, which Miranda left at the party because they were freaking out and decided to leave in a hurry. So it's a whole thing. The inspector, again, this is Miranda's brother-in-law. He doesn't necessarily think Miranda is responsible for this. He doesn't necessarily think Archer is responsible for it, but he's inspecting. And I think partly he's worried about Miranda too. You're with this potentially really dangerous dude. Yeah, but at no point is he, at least he doesn't go after Miranda. You know what I mean? To warn her or anything. And Archer even points that out. He's like, if you're so worried for her, then why are you continuing to allow me to have access to her? That kind of thing. Not that he could do anything, but it makes me wonder if the inspector knows about Miranda's ability. Oh, I didn't think about that. I mean, maybe. Because especially if the inspector and her sister Poppy have a loving relationship, she might have told or at least intimated that, no, no, it's okay. Miranda can take care of herself, even if she didn't completely spill on her sister's secret. Because otherwise, yeah, it makes the inspector sound like a jerk for not warning Miranda. How much can he really do, though? Because he is a commoner. Even so, he could be like, hey, Miranda, you might want to keep a knife under your pillow. Just saying. Or something. (laughs) Something. (laughs) You know, not, not that specific, but you know what I mean? Some kind of, or tell this person to, to give me word if you ever think you're in danger or something. Cause otherwise, like I said, it makes him seem like an insensitive jerk. That's at least the narrative that I had in my head was like, okay, Poppy must have told him something since he's supposed to be the hero of book three. I know. We got to wait for book three to know what he really knows. (laughs) questions but no answers and we continue to have questions with no answers because after the inspector leaves miranda starts pressing archer about his affliction at this point she's noticed things you know not only does he stay completely hidden but he's inhumanly strong and fast Mm -hmm. and hard to injure miranda asks him if he is immortal and she points out you know all the other members of this west moon club are old dudes Why aren't you an old dude? Or maybe you are, poke poke. Yeah, what's going on? He goes and shows her his supposed ancestor's grave, who has like the same name as him. He's like, yeah, no, you shouldn't be asking me questions like this. Stop trying to figure everything out and let me protect you. Yeah, that's so not gonna happen. (laughs) So he doesn't really tell her, yeah, that's my dead ancestor. And that's who you're thinking of. He just kind of heavily implies it. Yes, he doesn't lie. 
And then he kisses her and says, I can't see you die. So he has like this protective feeling toward her. But she also, although she doesn't express it, she feels highly protective of him too. So now there's two days left before the new moon and winter solstice coincide and Archer has to do whatever it is he's going to do. And Archer's acting all weird around Miranda and she doesn't know why. Then he finally tells her that he wants her. And she's all, okay. And he says, but only in complete darkness because I don't want you to see me. I'm insecure about my body. (laughs) I'm laughing, but it's just, it would not be a laughable thing, but the way we're saying it. It just makes me laugh. <laughs> I don't know. I just sort of think like if I were in her position, I'd be like, but why? Yeah, she does. Ag- she wants him back. So she agrees, even yeah. though she's sad because she wants to see him. When he comes to her, her room is pure black. She suspects he can see because he's totally fine, like untying her nightgown. Like he's has no problems in the dark. He starts making love to her. They're not doing the sex, but they're doing the prelude to the sex. And it's hot and heavy, but she's just like thinking he's naked. He's smooth. He doesn't feel deformed. What is his deal? And she has this brilliant idea that she could expose both their secrets by Mm -hmm. lighting the lamps. And the second she thinks of that, she's like, well, he's never going to tell me, so (laughs) might as well. And she lights the room. Which I think was kind of a jerk move on her part, but really the story would not have moved forward otherwise. Yeah, I felt conflicted too. I'm like, that sort of kind of makes her an asshole. But he was never gonna, it's like, we know it's because of something supernatural or whatever, but he really has like these body image issues. Yeah. Like these deeply ingrained insecurities and worries and frets and all of these things. And she's like, eh, fuck it. It's like, wow. But at the same time, yeah. it's like, one other option. Either continue to respect his boundaries, which I guess she just couldn't do. Also because the author didn't let the reader in on the secret. Yeah, the author really painted herself into a corner, I think, because she made Archer so closed off about it. Like, no, never. But there were other ways she could have done it because she does alternate between the characters. So there were other instances before this that the reader could have been brought in on the secret than to have Miranda just be like, eh, fuck your boundaries. Fire. Yeah, but how would Miranda have ever gotten brought in on the secret? I I don't know. There could have been ways, especially with all their tussling and stuff. And, and I know it's it seems quote unquote cliche, but cliches exist for a reason. Like fabric could have been torn, like the mask could have been askew. There could have been I ways. Guess. Although this way does give them the chance to build intimacy after the secrets are revealed. I mean, it happens in the story and it happens a lot in paranormal, supernatural romances, that kind of thing, where usually the hero, let's face it, is so ultimately amazing that whatever conflict they get in, they're untouched. Easily, like when he lifted the carriage or whatever, something could have caught. I mean, they had a huge fight and what, he's unmarred completely? What I imagine is like thin silk or whatever is not torn at all. There's actually a couple places where he is like his clothing and mask and stuff are torn up, but it's always conveniently on the correct side. (laughs) I mean, yay intimacy, of course, that's necessary, but it could have been handled is all I'm saying. I think Archer would never have revealed himself to her of his own volition. And it sounds like you agree. And I think that's where the author painted themselves into a corner. 
giving Archer no room to ever, ever change his mind about it. Yeah. At any rate, theories and, and thoughts aside... Now it's light in the room. <laughs> Archer responds as one does by ah! throws the covers over Miranda's head and goes and hides in the shadows oh, like a cornered it's animal. It was sad and funny. It was sad and funny. Like I felt so bad for too. him. He was so, so sure, so sure that that was it. Yeah. And she starts walking toward him and it's like she's stalking prey almost. <laughs> He's like cowering in the shadows. Don't look at me. I'm hideous. So we finally learn that his whole right side is translucent like living ice. And at first I was kind of like, the author said like his skin was clear or translucent. And I was like, ew, so she can see his muscles. But later I kind of got the impression it was like, no, his whole yeah, body. Yeah, I just immediately was like, no, because otherwise you're yeah. looking at organs. Which would and... make sense for him thinking he's fucking yes. hideous, right? Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's more like he's uh, solid jello Yeah, on the right side. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> She's like exploring his body, touching him, and he's just still waiting for her to censure him, to reject him, to tell him he's hideous and horrible and she can't be with him anymore. And she tells him that she loves him and he holds her and cries. It was so sweet. It was. And then he says he loves her too. And then she starts calling him Ben. Up until this point, she's been calling him Archer. And it's just very sweet. So it shows like they have this intimacy finally 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 yes, yes, yes. and then they have the sex <laughs> and then like the next day archer's all happy like he doesn't even put his mask on or anything and the staff are all like holy shit what did you guys do <laughs> but they're happy for him even though it's off-putting to see him i guess they're more happy for him they care about yeah. him unfortunately all this happiness is short-lived because a box is delivered that contains Miranda's mask from the ball and Meriwether's ear and a note that says Cavern Hall (laughs) on the new moon. Archer's like, well, shit. Miranda also got a box from McKinnon and it has a portrait from Archer and papers with info about Archer and a date of 1815. Hmm. And Miranda realizes he has been living unchanged for 66 years. So he's actually an old dude. She confronts him with the truth. Lies. Because she's mad that she learned it from someone else. Because she asked him point blank if he was immortal. And that was the perfect time for him to tell her what was going on. And he didn't. They fight slash argue. But he does end up apologizing and she does forgive him. It's more like a place of hurt. And I think she realizes like, well, he didn't fully trust me yet. But now he does. She emphasizes how they're a team She is in this together with him, and she wants to help him. But in the middle of the night, after more sexy times, she wakes up to discover he's gone, and there is a note from him that says, forgive me. That jerk. (laughs) She thought they were a team, damn it. (laughs) Yeah. They had the sex. Yeah. Secrets were revealed. They bonded. They were intimate. She deduces that the killer is Victoria. And she plans to arm herself and go after him. And she gets the staff in on it. Like, it's late at night. She wakes them up. She's all, give me a gun. Give me a sword. Give me a horse. I'm going to go fix this. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, um, okay, we'll let you because you're the lady of the house. But we don't like it. She figures out where Leland lives. And she plans to make him tell her where Archer went. 
she, I think, initially attacks him. Then they have a conversation. He tells her about how they first met Victoria and how Victoria lied to them and how she picked Archer and Leland out of the other West Moon Club members to become, quote, angels of light. And there was like this weird, sexy stuff going on too. Victoria supposedly wanted a threesome with both Archer and Leland, but Archer didn't like it. But Leland was completely besotted and fine with it. So Archer left. And then later, apparently Rossberry, who was part of the same club, told them that it's all a lie and they'll lose their souls if they go through with it. Victoria had set Rossberry on fire, but he somehow survived. And Rossberry thinks that Archer is the one who narked and it was actually Percival. I don't know why it matters who actually narked, but that's fine. And then we learn that McKinnon is also old. So while Rossberry and Leland and Archer and Percival and Meriwether and all the other lords are of an age, you know, they're all like in their 90s or whatever. McKinnon is also older because he's been Rossberry's son for... <laughs> he went to medical school with Archer, so... It's a rivalry that goes way back. Yeah, but while all the other old dudes had a drink of this magical drink, McKinnon and Rossberry didn't drink any silver liquid, but they're somehow also extremely long-lived. Leland says he was supposed to drink like a whole cup of it, but he only had a sip like the other members because he was afraid based on... Archer's reaction to it because Archer drank the whole cup and then was overcome with great pain and ended up leaving. He didn't complete the ritual, so he didn't actually complete the change. And his whole plan is to complete the change now. Use the magic sword to kill Victoria because now that he's fully changed, he'll be able to be a match for her and then kill himself in order to preserve his soul. The whole idea is like once you're changed, and you kill someone, then your soul is kaput. And Miranda points out, you know, you guys don't really think about this very clearly, because wouldn't Victoria count? And then he'd still be soulless. <laughs> There's this legend, quote, Those who take up the light without thought of personal greed shall find redemption. Only a savior true of heart shall wield the sword of light. And out of fire that comes not from man, but from the gods, the blade will come alive and meet its destiny. So we get a whole lot of info dumping. Yay. Finally, though, at this point, as a reader, I'm like, thank God. Now yes. I know what's going on. And it, it's satisfying. It's Yeah, it, it's a lot all at once. It, it was time. And yeah. <laughs> um, Miranda was is like, well, I'm going to have to be the one to destroy Victoria and then also kill Archer. Because if he kills Victoria after he's fully changed, he's going to lose his soul. Leland is treating her like a little woman and saying, no, no, I will stop you to protect you from yourself. <laughs> and she oh, shows funny. him her power. She unleashes her fire. And in the notes I wrote, ha ha, old man, she can take care of herself quite well. Thank you. <laughs> and so Yay. Leland still doesn't want to take her, but takes her to Cavern Hall and they find Archer asleep. Apparently he's fully changed. So he's like Iceman. And then Victoria appears from the back of the hall or whatever and says, he has chosen me. And then she reveals that Rossberry is also dead and also there. His heart is gone because these light beings eat hearts. That's how they survive. That's why all the hearts are gone. And Victoria like poke, poke, pokes at Miranda. 
he, 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 he chose me. He doesn't like you. He has now learned the error of his ways and we'll be little light demons together forever and you, you suck and he's going to kill you. Miranda is a woman with a plan. So mm -hmm. she lets Victoria think that she was sufficiently provoked. They fight. Miranda uses the magic sword and her fire to defeat Victoria. Victoria is surprised and the sword breaks and Victoria turns into ash. I liked the fight scene. I thought it was really good. Yeah, I did too. I think the author did a good job of like, wait, <laughs> what? Yeah. It was good. It was satisfying. Archer slept through it all. Miranda tells Leland, you need to leave so you can be safe. I'm going to stay with Archer. Leland's like, well, how are you going to kill him? The sword is broken. And she's all, that's not your problem. You need to go away. Bye. It's actually really sweet. She says something about how, well, if he wakes up and takes my soul, then my soul belongs with his anyway. So it's fine. Yeah. So Leland kind of leaves, but not fully. I think he just kind of leaves the room or the cavern. And then Miranda remembers part of the legend that says the innocent are redeemed by fire and the guilty annihilated. And she's all, hmm, interesting. And so she holds Archer and uses her magic to set them both on fire. And while she feels the pain of the fire, she doesn't burn. Although, like, all her clothes burn off and everything. And the silver, like, silver liquid bleeds out of Archer and onto her, which also hurts. But where the silver from him bleeds away, uh, you can see humanness. All the silver gets bled out of him and he is cured. And then he wakes up. And then he freaks out because he doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> and he thinks he's still a demon person miranda says no victoria's gone it's okay you're safe and then he realizes he's human he's cured yay even his penis is human again yay which the author described and then we get an epilogue they're happy society embraces the mir miraculously cured lord archer and all but one wishes them well that person feels that they will never find contentment and it's kind of alluded to that it's McKinnon, I thought, but we don't really know for sure. Yeah, I thought it was Mr. Braddy, too. Yeah, because he's the next hero, right? Yes, ma'am. How was the audiobook? The audiobook was narrated by Moira Quirk, and she did a good job. She was very skilled in her narration. Are you happy for their happy, Em? I'm okay with their happy. I'm happy for them. I don't know. Like, for me, some stuff I feel like need to get resolved but i feel like they're in a good yeah. place so yeah i'm reasonably happy for them i think there were things that made me feel more upset than i think the characters seem to so maybe that's more of a me thing i agree with you i'm happy for them i think that they'll make it those two crazy kids are gonna make it <laughs> even though one of them's like in his 90s but I also agree that there were things left unresolved. Like, yeah. what about the murders? Which that Who was the killer? Because it's not like they could tell people yeah. it was Victoria. Victoria turned into ash. No one cares because Archer looks like normal again. <laughs> yes, he's pretty, so we're fine. It bothered me. Um, it kind of made me wonder, like, how happy... Their road is not clear moving forward. There's still stuff that needs to be resolved. But as far as their relationship yeah. goes, you know, everything is out in the open now. There's the trust and the vulnerability and all that. So that part is happy. It's just more like loose ends. Yeah, I don't know if it's happy, but it was definitely resolved. 
like her turning on the candles. And then also, I think it was leading into, I forget which sex scene it was. Yeah. But like she wants to leave and he doesn't let her. No, that that one pinged my radar a little bit too, but I kind of let it go. I'm fully in agreement with you about the candle thing, though. They rug swept that. It kind of made me wonder if it was reversed, if the emotions would have been as rug swept. If it happened to a female character, the heroine particularly. But we we also, or at least I haven't seen any or read any, where the romance is between a female monster, quote unquote, and a non-monster dude. Yeah, it is kind of interesting, though, because there is a lot of role reversal in this book. While Archer has like the whole demon thing going on, he's the one who's afraid. He's the one who's completely emotionally wrecked and vulnerable she has all this power so i guess like when he doesn't let her leave i kind of figure well she could leave if she really wanted to which in any other book would be victim blamey but in this book it kind of you know if she wanted to she could i didn't like it (laughs) well no oh it's on par with the rough fingering in the alley the candle thing though like her exposing his secret I think that if the genders were reversed, that there would have been more closure there. Yeah, it just it just makes me wonder, like, is it not getting the closure because he's more emotionally closed off? Or is it just not getting closure because it happened to a male character? And they're not typically seen as the more, quote unquote, emotional characters. And needing that sort of emotional reassurance and, yeah. and care. So, so they don't explicitly, the author doesn't explicitly address like the, Mm -hmm. her doing that without his consent. But in that moment, the author does address like how emotionally vulnerable he is and how Miranda needs to make him feel better. And she does. That's when she tells him she loves him and she holds him and he cries and they bond and have the wonderful sexy times. And I feel like that would have been a good moment to also add in like, I'm glad you know. Or, or something to show that he realizes yeah. why she did it and is okay with it. And I think that would have made me feel better about the whole scene. Because you're right. It, I don't know how much it impacts their happy because they do seem totally okay with it. But it isn't re- addressed in the text directly. It's a bit of a tricky thing because with romances, it's, I mean, that's part of the thing, right? Like, they are happy in the end. They are. It makes me wonder about the layers. Like, are they? But it's the default, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's the major trope. Yes. I mean, that's what makes a romance a romance is that they have a happily ever after or happily for now at the very least. I think it does give the reader reasons to wonder sometimes when things aren't tied up. You even pointed out. So is he still quote unquote magical anymore? Is she going to live forever? We don't know. Who cares? (laughs) They're happy. They're happy at the end. Let's rate them. Okay. How do you rate Archer? For the most part, I thought he was awesome. So awesome. I like that he was an emotionally vulnerable hero. There were some things where it's like, a, oh, let's just kill everybody, even though I'm super strong. <laughs> where I kind of, hmm. Um, they were going to burn that's him. That's true. But at, at one point, it's like, is it self-defense when you're... <laughs> When you're that much stronger and that much more capable. I thought he was freaking the fuck out. I gave him a pass. Okay. 
Like I said, little things, but overall awesome. I rate Archer awesome also. I think that you make a good point with the killing everyone. And a lot of times I'll give the hero marks in the negative column for that sort of thing. But in Archer's case, I feel like it just showed how human he still was in his brain. I've been drugged. They think I'm dead and they're going to burn me alive. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. And he flips the fuck out and he's fighting for his life. But oops, he's really strong. And then when he realizes he choked someone out with his, quote, human hand, he's also really, really disturbed by it. Yeah, it didn't feel like a lot of some of those other sort of massive killing sprees that happen. Yeah, it didn't feel like, you know, he just killed them because it felt like he was out of control. No, you're right. I think the author does a really good job of showing how human Archer is while he thinks he's cursed. He thinks he's turning into a demon or a monster or whatever. He's going to lose his soul it's horrible, whatever, but he is super vulnerable. He's emotionally insecure. He doesn't really expect Miranda to fix no. it, but he wishes he could fix it so that he would be good enough for her. It's really sad. He's a real sad sort of hero, but in a in an admirable way. Yeah. He's ethical, he's caring, he's protective, but not like gross about it. No, he's soulful. Yeah, even when he's mad that she didn't stay there when he told her to, he's just like, okay, well, I'm mad. Yeah. Like, I'm really mad. And when he handles her roughly, it's not about that. It's more about like wanting her secret. It's a little tricky because, I mean, he suspects that she can take care of herself, but what are his suspicions and to what extent can she take care of herself? Yeah, yeah. There are several parts in the story where he's like, well, I know she's not dumb, so there's something there where she thinks she can f- handle things, but she's not telling me what it is, and therefore I have to take her word for it, and he's struggling with that piece of it, like taking yeah. her word for it instead of being able to evaluate whatever she has for himself and decide, okay, no, she is actually fine, or no, that's yeah. not good enough. I still need to be the man. <laughs> But yeah, overall, I thought he was awesome. I liked how he wanted their relationship to be equal. I think that's even brought up in the story too. Like, oh, you let me ask you questions. You let me make decisions. And he's all, well, obviously. (laughs) It's our money? Yeah. Okay. How do you rate Miranda? So I thought Miranda was awesome. I enjoyed that she had agency. I enjoyed watching her be herself you know i won't belabor the point further with the candle lighting thing (laughs) because but you know she was certainly capable of both great power and compassion because she forgives billy yeah you know she and then tends to his wounds and things like that so yeah i i really liked her i rate her as awesome also i also really liked her i really do appreciate (laughs) a badass heroine who takes her shit and she definitely fits that bill she was really emotionally strong, too. I think that was kind of fun, like the whole role yeah. reversal aspect of that. And I liked that she did have like her her weaknesses, too, mm-hmm. like how her prior lover left her when she divulged her secret. And that's why she doesn't want to share it again, because she's worried, like she doesn't want to lose Archer. I like that she said, I love you first. 
I, I liked all the scenes with the fire, even like when she thinks about using the fire but doesn't, or when she actually uses this, the fire. I think the author did a really good job of developing like Miranda's relationship with her power and how she becomes more in tune with it. And there is a point where after Archer learns what her secret is, he calls it a gift. And that's really where her confidence with the fire power takes hold and she's able to use it without worrying about it anymore because she has another person telling her, no, this is good. You, this is awesome about you. This is a good thing about you. And everyone else has told her, oh, this is bad or this is scary. Yeah, he's supportive. It validates her and enables her to embrace it more. Yeah, and I liked how she handled Victoria too in all of their interactions and it didn't like fall to jealousy. Yes. And all that. And she was protective of Archer. Yeah, she was so protective. Yeah, it's always played up like how the, you know, the hero always protects the heroine, but the heroine can do her protecting too and not every wound is like a physical bleeding wound i mean duh emotional trauma psychological trauma <laughs> yeah well how do we rate the antagonists and or villains in the story i'm sure your list is longer but i really i just put two <laughs> <laughs> and I, for reasons that are beyond me i didn't write their names but i Gave them nicknames. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> so, Ross Barry. I put him on the list because he was antagonistic. I gave him the name of the elder Mr. Grumpy Pants. Because <laughs> he is all of those things. And that's something I'd like to point out about Archer. There is that grumpy hero kind of thing. And he was, but he was so much more of a soulful yeah. grumpy. If that makes sense. He was moody. He was moody pants. Yes. His were more moody. <laughs> he was emo. And then Victoria's on the list, of course. And I gave her the name of once burned, twice shy. Because we already knew she had a fear of fire. Yeah. I think they both were effective. Some things I think should have been a little different. But maybe that's just my preferences. Which is not a standard that everybody has to adhere to. Let's face it. So I do have a couple others on my list. I put Ellis, Miranda's father. Yes. Abusive, horrible jerk of a dad. Yes. I also beat. put McKinnon because I didn't really get the impression that he was evil or villainous, but he was definitely antagonistic and wanted to mess with Archer's head. Kind of mess with Miranda's head too. I think he was effective yeah. as an antagonist in the book too. I, I enjoyed all the parts with him. Uh -huh, I, thought, me too. I thought he was good. And then I put Ross Berry on there, of course. I put him as less effective, honestly, because, okay, he is the red herring in the book. Yes. And that's fine. He served his purpose as that. But I just didn't get, like, I didn't feel the drama between him and Archer the way I wanted to. Hmm. I feel like there should have been maybe more earlier on, like where I actually know why he's mad. And I don't know. He just comes off as like an unhinged old man. And it just kind of, eh. Yeah, I mean, I kind of figured he was a red hair. And so I guess I was a little bit okay with that. Plus, I guess I'm just sort of expecting more of an explanation in book two. I don't know. He's of an age of all the other lords, you know, so he's like in his 90s too. They're all gallant and lordly and Rossberry isn't. He has reasons to not be, but I just didn't feel it. 
And then, of course, I put Patrick. Victoria, okay. and I thought she was awesome as a villain. She was very effective. I really enjoyed her. You do get the impression right away that there's something up with her when Miranda meets her because she's all kicked in makeup, even though she doesn't necessarily need it, as far as Miranda can tell. I like that she uses makeup to hide the fact that she's clear. <laughs> I thought that was really cool and smart. <laughs> I liked that the villain was a female, like the primary villain was a female. I enjoyed that a lot. Like her motivation was fine. Maybe I could have used a little bit more with that. I was surprised I liked it as much as I did, given her motivation. I was expecting to dislike it more and I didn't. I think for me, there is something like about the novelty of what type of creature she actually ended up being too. Like, I don't think I've ever read another book about that type of supernatural or whatever. So it was interesting and new and kind of fun. So I would have appreciated maybe a little bit more about that. What's her origin story? Yeah. But we didn't really need it for the story. Maybe the series will explain. And then kind of like an offshoot, just a as an aside or honorary villain slash antagonist is kind of the whole uh, West Moon Club in general. You know, all the different dudes and they're in their secret paranormal club where they're trying to find stuff. You know, it ends up biting them in the butt and then they let Archer take all of the heat from it. Yeah, I enjoyed the whole club aspect. It felt very appropriate. It kind of lent to the the mood of the story, I think. And the time period. Totally. So how do you rate the book? I gave the book a four. I really liked it. I really liked the writing and the story and yeah I was very entertained I really liked it I rated it for also I also really enjoyed it oh yay twinsies I think if we had gotten a little bit more closure about some of those loose ends Mm -hmm. it probably would have been a five for me because when I finished reading it I was like yeah that was really good five and then I started thinking about well actually (laughs) okay four I feel like Callahan did a really good job with a lot of like really intense scenes, which is exceedingly admirable because lots of writers struggle with that. Sometimes that's apparent. She did really well. The writing is really good. There are some things that either didn't quite hit me the right way or yeah, yeah, like you were saying with the loose ends, which maybe they get tied up later. I don't know. I've read a lot of books by this author, um, two other series of hers that are contemporaries, and I really appreciate her writing because her heroes are so diverse in personality wonderful (laughs) that is actually hard i think for a lot of authors to do a lot of times a hero will fall under oh well he's mr grumpy pants or he's (laughs) alpha hole or Mm -hmm. whatever they find the trope that fits and that's the hero And Mm -hmm. I think that as an author, she does a really good job of making especially her male characters human. I like that. That leads me to be (laughs) optimistic. So did you feel romanced? I did. I did feel romanced. I I thought they had really good chemistry. Mm -hmm. I liked the sexual tension throughout the story. I liked that it was kind of a slow burn and the physicality of their relationship amped up over time. And that there was a reason for it. A good reason. I liked that the heroine wasn't a virgin mm-hmm. and the hero didn't care. That mm-hmm. that was a big deal Yay. for me, especially in the time period. Yes. Yes. <laughs> for a historical, that is unusual. I think that they are right for each other. I think they fit each other. There's enough evidence in the text to support that. So what about you? Were you romanced them? I wasn't. Mm. Ah. <laughs> but I, I really like the story and I really... 
I liked them together. I feel like they fit. I feel like, like you said before, the crazy kids are going to make it. Yeah. So I felt like they were emotionally honest with one another and they connected. They saw each other. I think because of that, it handled the quote unquote jealousies that may have come up because of Mr. Braddy <laughs> and what is it? Once burned, twice shy. What was I calling her? Um, yeah. They really were a unit, even though they had their trust issues and, and whatnot. It was them against the supernatural yeah. world. And that, that was cool. What else have you been reading, Em? I haven't started reading it yet because I finished Firelight last night. <laughs> <laughs> but I will read, start reading Moonglow, which is the second book in the Darkest London series, of which Firelight is the first. And in the second book, we have Miranda's sister, Daisy, the sassy fun sister. And she's in danger because there's murders. Oh, no. And so Ian, the brat, definitely frenemy of Archer, will use his primal nature, I imagine, to protect Daisy. And hopefully Daisy can protect herself. I'm really hoping so. Yeah, the blurb implies that Daisy has a secret. So, hmm. I I'm hoping it means that she's badass. I'm okay if it's fire. Like, if that's a continuation of the fire theme, <laughs> like, that's cool. I really don't like helpless heroines. <laughs> I want supernatural badassery. So, yay, there's going to be surprises, I hope, and secrets, and maybe I'll get to <laughs> learn more about the grumpy dad. Anyway, what have you been reading? So I recently finished Under Her Care by Lucinda Berry, and it is a thriller slash mystery story. It's a murder Ooh. mystery. The mayor's wife has been brutally murdered and standing next to her body is a 14-year-old boy who happens to have autism and he is the prime suspect. Mm. The law calls in Casey Walker, who is an autism expert. She works in the psychology field as a consultant to the case to try to figure out or get more information from the suspect, but she doesn't think he did it. The boy, the suspect, has a very overbearing, stereotypical beauty queen, southern charm type mom who is like a super mom, but she mm. has mm -hmm. secrets. It was kind of fun because the perspective shifts between Casey and the mom, Genevieve. You're not necessarily sure who's telling the truth or what's real. I don't know. It was interesting. It was disturbing. It was good. It was a page turner. Well, that's good. Page and it's not a sci-fi romance. So <laughs> diversity. Diversity in book reading. <laughs> that's it for this time. Check out our website, romancebeingpodcast.com, for show notes, other episodes, and our upcoming reads. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google, Amazon, or Spotify. Or come find us on Twitter at romancebeingcast. Speaking of Twitter, were you romanced by Miranda and Archer's story? Let us know what you think. And of course, join us next time when we discuss One Last Stop by Katie McQuist. Bye! Bye.